Welcome back to the Agile Coffee Podcast, episode 61. My name is Vic Bonacci, and you can think of this as an online coffee house with all your favorite Agile coach friends. And think of me as your barista serving up espresso shots of lean and agile topics. Here you go. The Agile Coffee Podcast is a part of the Agile Podcast Network. Some very fine Agile podcasts. In fact, all of the best Agile podcasts in the universe can be found on the Agile Podcast Network. I've told you before, and I'll tell you again. I work at Rocket Nine Solutions. Oh, let me sing it for you. I work at Rocket Nine. Rocket Nine, bring humanity back to your job. <laughs> Bringing humanity back to the workplace at Rocket9Solutions.com. At Rocket Nine, I am a coach. As I'm guessing many of you are, I've gotten some uh, lovely Twitters and emails and other messages from listeners out there who are coaches. In addition to coaching, I also do some training, quite a bit of training. Um, not just uh, Scrum and Agile, I also do training from the back of the room. We have uh, only a few people on staff, so we have to wear many hats in addition to coaching and training also involved with marketing, with sales, some HR kind of stuff, and uh, big in community events. All of us are big into community events. In fact, in this episode here, as you're going to see, uh, this episode here is really all about community. We're going to visit the Agile Open SoCal 2018. This next episode is from a year ago, and if you're listening to this right as it's produced, you'll think, wow, the irony, because in just about two weeks, we're going to be having the Agile Open SoCal 2019. Yours truly will be holding space. I was also holding space uh, for a client of ours just last week on Friday. Um, First American actually had a nice internal open space, 120 of their employees partook in the event. They also invited a number of us from the community. So from Rocket Nine, there was uh, myself, Larry Lawhead, Cliff Rosa, we were there. Uh, Paul Moore was there. Colleagues that you may have heard on this podcast before, also in attendance, included Colleen Kirtland, a co-worker of Colleen's, Maureen Bowen, who will be on the next episode, episode 62. And uh, John Jorgensen. Um, Chris Herney hasn't been on a podcast yet, has he? Yeah, we've got to change that, Chris. Dan Brown from Magenic. He was also at the open space last Friday. And you'll hear him and Larry both on this uh, podcast coming up here. Hey, I wanted to do something. Since I am at Rocket Nine, and uh, Rocket Nine Solutions was started by Scott Dunn. We all love Scott. I'm going to be introducing you to Scott in a new segment I like to call Definitions of Done. 
Well, Scott, today I wanted to ask you, what's the importance of community in doing what we're doing? Uh, so, wow. So community is vital. I used to stress this more in the class. I think I may have gotten a little just too used to it. I'm glad you're asking because I think it's it's probably the best springboard for faster growth because I can look at a book or I can look at a blog, but if you and I are talking, we can have questions go back and forth several times and you quickly zero in like, oh, I get it. This is the context. And not just the zoom in on the interactive thing. Community gives you uh, this kind of ability to to tell stories around that. These are real lives going on, and the story aspect, I think, is more powerful than just information on some of that. There's connections that we make. We've introduced people. We've helped people find other opportunities or, you know, their great next step multiple times. Um, and and on the, it's a side thing, but it's really it's really near and dear to my heart. Every time I see someone who really, if you ever know someone, like man, that guy's really got what it takes. They're mm-hmm. just you can just tell they're just they're rock stars uh, waiting to happen, and and you provide an opportunity for them to take that next step. Like hey, be on a panel, or hey, yeah. why don't you speak at this event? <laughs> and I'm thinking about some you know coaches at one of our clients that they spoke at a conference last year that was like, I think their first time, and I I was so thrilled because I. I already I, I knew they had it, and for the whole you know group of people that showed up to hear their session, you know, applaud at the end, ask them all these questions. They felt like experts, but they had already been the experts. They yeah. just needed that affirmation. So I think when we help people take those steps and stand up in those situations, for me, that's kind of life impacting. It's really meaningful work. We have an opportunity to do that. We have a platform that we can do that. And I think for community, um, supporting in that way, community is vital. And I just I encourage everyone to get connected. You'll be really surprised by what, how fast you can learn and the connections you make and how those can really pay back. Yeah, and that's how I ended up meeting you some years ago, five, seven years ago. I can't remember, just through community events. One of the conferences, I think it was in San Diego, we finally uh, connected there. But but I'm when I first started in, in Scrum and Agile, there wasn't too much going on, so I had to reach out to the community. In fact, I started a meetup just so I could start learning from my peers, and I thought that was really valuable. Now look at us. You know, like you said, we're we're in our community, whether it's um, you know just through the work we do or whether it's mm-hmm. volunteering, whether it's going to meetups or, or speaking at events or whatever it is. My very beginning was um, David Loki pestering me, and I didn't know who he was, pestering me to, to go to the Agile Open, which I didn't know what that thing was way yeah, back then. Right. Going, meeting Jonathan Golden, mm-hmm. who then connected me with the opportunity at rallies where a lot of this took off. Mm. Or or the uh, the mentoring relationship I had with Lisa is because I offered to, to be uh, to give her feedback on her book. And yeah. I didn't know she was a superstar at the time. I should have known because she had a book. But then we <laughs> ended up having this relationship and connecting. But these are just, hey, I know someone. Or, hey, you, we meet up. And yeah. then you, you don't know what great things will happen afterwards. And I, I'm so... I, I'm always blown away. Like, this is like a 10x or 100x of those first relationships that had started years ago. So there you have it. That was Scott Dunn talking about the importance of community. And particularly, did you catch that? He mentioned uh, all those years ago when he first started going to the Agile Open SoCal. (laughs) Great things happen at the Agile Opens. Um, So, yeah, here in a couple of weeks, uh, we've got... Uh, the Agile Open SoCal 2019. It's our 11th anniversary. Um, kudos to Dave Lokeets and the and the whole big crew of folks who who are doing such a great job there. Um, over 200 registered attendees here in a few weeks. So uh, that's by far the biggest the biggest yet that we've had there. Uh, very much looking forward to holding the space for that event. 
But enough about that. Let's get to today's episode. Episode 61 features a cast of uh, attendees from the Agile Open SoCal experience in 2018. Uh, This is right before the closing circle. We were doing some takeaways, so you're going to hear some familiar voices. Should be a lot of fun as we sit back and reminisce on uh, on the past uh, few days of open space and think about all the great things that open space can provide. So now I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy another brew of the Agile Coffee Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Agile Coffee Podcast, episode 61, live from the Agile Open SoCal in Orange County, UC Irvine, California. Yay. Yay. <laughs> it's been a while, huh? Tenth anniversary. Tenth anniversary, anniversary of the Agile yeah. Open. Gotta mention that. We've got around the table uh, a bunch of familiar voices. I'm really happy to have you all back again. Um, going from, let's go counterclockwise, we have Colleen Kirtland at, uh, on Twitter at Purpose Creator. Uh, ben Rodelitz on Twitter at Ben Rodelitz. I need a cool Twitter handle. Like, <laughs> <laughs> listen to Colleen. Harold Shinsato at H-A-J-U-S-H. That's on my Twitter. Hajish. Welcome. Larry Lawhead. At Larry, at Larry Lawhead. That is correct. Larry Lawhead. Dan, are you participating or just... I am. Hey, Dan Brown. Uh, hello. <laughs> do you have a Twitter handle? I do. It's... D.S. Brown. Can you? Can he be heard? He's projecting very well. I can speak loud. And uh, and many other people in the room. Are you all having a good time today? Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm going to start this episode of Agile Coffee by just opening it up and seeing what takeaways people have from the last two days of the event here. Obviously, we're following an open uh, open space uh, format here, so there's a lot of different topics up on the Marketplace board. Uh, people at this table may have presented some topics. Um, you've certainly gone to see some topics. So let's just have an, a free-flow conversation about What's been going on these days? Who wants to kick things off? I, I, I was um, pretty excited by the energy of people for whom this was their first open space. Uh, we almost always, at the end, have uh, a, a nearly ubiquitous comment from new people, which is, I didn't think there was a chance in heck that this was going to work, and now I can't wait for my next one. Yeah. But, but that, that understanding seemed to come a lot earlier uh, in, this, in this session. I'd agree, and I, I see so many have embraced this so much, and you can tell by the boards how many more presentations are being put on uh, whiteboards than they have in years past, especially the second day alone is a good representation of that. And I think the new facility promotes a lot of conversation outside. I'm seeing a lot more casual conversations and breakaways now because we have this amazing outdoor area that promotes and supports that, that, that conversation. So it's been very, very effective uh, seen, and I'm very happy and pleased so far. I love this, um, this new location that, like you said, we're here on the campus of UC Irvine. Uh, for the past so many years, we've been up the road at uh, the Brennan School. Now we're at the Department of Continuing Education, right? And uh, it's a brand-new building. It's maybe two years old. 
Um, it's it's lead platinum, uh, very sustainable um, construction and architecture going on here. Uh, very open, um, nice courtyard in the middle. There was music out there. We heard Colleen playing just before we started this episode, but um, we've heard many ukuleles and uh, guitars and percussion instruments. It's been fun. Um, yeah, so, Ben, you made a comment about first-timers um, finding this as improbable, but, hey, wow, it's actually working. Uh, and, I, and I think we've heard comments to that effect already. How many open spaces have you all been to around the table? Who's been to less than three around the table? As my journalism wife would say, fewer than three. Sorry, there's a filter that can't be shut off anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all then, no one here has been vets. fewer than three. Yeah, so we're all vets. <laughs> Hardened yeah. open I've, I've spacers. Been to, I've been to San Diego. Softened open spacers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. I've been to San Diego and Irvine, but I've never been to the Northern California one or any of the other places. Of Have you guys been to the other ones? I was just curious, compare and contrast. I have not. I've only been to those two several times, but yeah. only those two as well. A, a fairly new colleague of mine was talking about the uh, Seattle area one, and uh, I didn't get a very... It, he was interested in how this was because he was getting a little disillusioned with the one up here. I have to say this year was uh, an improvement over last year's. Last year, I think there was a, a It was noticeable an interesting mix last year. I think it was... It was the only time I've been at an open space last year where I think Diana ran, ran up to me and said, please put some topic ups, topics up, we're running out. And it was just the, you know, no fault. This is always, this is the prepared to be surprised element. Um, and that's okay. I, I almost feel there's an inflection point in a lot of industries now where pretty much agile, quote unquote, in big quotes, big A, has crossed the chasm. And therefore a lot of companies think they want to become agile, right? So perhaps this is the beginning of that because, you know, now it's it's getting popular for good and bad reasons. I mean, I, I, you know, you, the, the second you see it on something like a Gartner, you kind of know <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's time. But, but exactly. It's and this late is, majority. And this is late, late majority. majority. This exactly. is late majority, but yeah. it's also a time for tremendous reflection to ensure that the true bottoms-up spirit remains. Right, because the second you, I, I kind of use this term executive bling, right? If, if it becomes executive bling, there's a huge risk to what it actually is. And that whole self-organization aspect, the autonomy of the team, the mastery of skills internally, all this. So, uh, yeah, this is a topic, and I, I've, I brought this up actually two years ago at the Open, talking about the potential commercialization of Agile and the worries I have around it. I still do. I still do. I love the hashtag, executive bling. Make, let's make that trend. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one, yeah. yeah. The, you know, the Agile Industrial Complex? <laughs> <laughs> Making its rounds? Yes, yeah. Martin yeah. Fowler spoke about that at yeah. Agile 2018 in Australia. And yeah. in my view, even though Agile, quote, is in late majority, there is a revival of Agile yeah. that is brewing in the open spaces that is yes. still innovator, maybe even maybe even pre-early adoption, that is really important and it's emerging. Well, and you have to talk about that, that desire to change, right? And so I think in open spaces like this one, you still have 
that transformational aspect that isn't driven from the top down, but it's about self-responsibility and how we're each going to be a part of driving the change. Huge, huge difference, right? Oh, yeah. And I'm seeing that progress in a lot of the conversations that I'm having already in these last two days and the maturity of the conversations and the, and the questions that are being asked in years past. And I love the, all of your feedback on this topic because in uh, previous open spaces, and I've been in over half a dozen or so, they've been more introductory. There's what do you do with coaching or, or training and certifications and what is agile? And I think now it's become more on what is the transformation. I'm seeing even conversations moving away from Scrum. Yeah. Uh, Kanban has been a popular topic and how do you scale? Uh, are you hearing that? And have you uh, been involved with it yourselves? And these are around organizations and real case examples that we're talking about here. I mean, I think it goes back to Shuhari, right? I feel this group is getting to, into the ha and the re. We're starting to transcend the traditional forms. Um, the other thing that just blew my mind away, I have to give kudos and tips to Hunter and Chris Lucian and his gang. They gave a fabulous talk yesterday on refactoring patterns. And just the things I learned sitting in there about the levels of ab abstraction in code that is being developed today that is even different from, say, traditional object-oriented code, hmm. it kind of just blew my mind. And I realized, God, it's like we're trying to, I mean, it was almost like we're automating ways of cleaning code. It was fascinating to me. And, and I think these are the kinds of things that um, are innovations of this community. I love when Hunter, uh, the, the teams from Hunter come to any of these open spaces because they bring a lot of that perspective, uh, the focus on technical uh, practices, and it's something that I think without that specific group anyway, I've noticed that there's not often a lot of technical uh, talks or, or presentations in the marketplace boards. It's not always the case, but uh, certainly you can count on those teams for bringing that, uh, that here. Uh, Harold, you were up at the... Um, um, Agile Open Northwest in Seattle this past year, and I, I'm sure previous years too. I've probably seen you. In fact, were you a? I've been. I've been, over, I've been to over uh, 150 hmm. open spaces. Yeah. maybe more than that. <laughs> and and so for those of us who've been to open spaces outside of Southern California, San Diego, and Irvine, is there any? Can we compare them? Or are they? I do. Every single one is different. <laughs> I don't know if it's <laughs> appropriate for, but I I do. <laughs> I'd like to hear the observations you have. No. The level and depth of the conversations in Southern California, including San Diego, for me transcend what I see happening anywhere else. Mm. Um, yeah. I'll have to say that I still believe the ones in Portland and Seattle are are the Agile Opens. Yeah. That is the home base that's, yeah. that's very well established, but I don't find the people as warm. It may just be the... They're, Older culture. <laughs> it's, it's in rain. February. <laughs> it's in February. It's usually cloudy and dreary. Um, and there's the Seattle freeze people talk yeah. about. Um, but that doesn't change that really powerful conversations happen there. But the even for me, in some ways, San Diego more than, than even here. But um, I think this is my first uh, Agile Open Southern California where I stayed the whole time. Right. Oh, I heard stories of the ukulele fest <laughs> a couple years ago and I brought my ukulele. I was so glad to get to part of be part of that. Yeah. Uh, but this one has been uh, the best experience for me of all the Agile Opens I've right. been to. Yeah, so I'm just Whoa. asking because I, I'm, it's my hypothesis that each of them kind of have their own culture. Even though the people kind of change, the, the newer people come, 
every year. Um, but I'm just wondering if each of these events has its own culture, whether it's the geographic region, the time of the year, whatever it might be, the, the founders who are consistently there, whatever it might be. That's can interesting. You, Harold, can you elaborate? I'm curious around the, you had the, in quotes, air quotes, the Agile Opens up in the Northwest. Can you elaborate the differences, um, not only in culture, the size? Are they, you know, because I know we talked about, Colleen, uh, last year's was a little bit smaller, and this one's bigger, but it seems like it's more effective for some reason. Well, this one had a lot of substance with the attendees. So it's mm-hmm. just really diverse and meaty. Yeah. Maybe Woody. Woody may be the magic equation. <laughs> uh, are the Northwest ones yes, just yes. as big? Or are they bigger? It's bigger. Huh. Definitely bigger. Yeah. Um, 300? The acoustics are kind of unpleasant in the mm. Seattle location. Mm. The Portland one that they do it is a, is a nicer location. Um, but, um, I mean, it's, it's just electric with energy. Mm-hmm. And you've got Arlo Belshi, you've got really great thinkers, uh, people coming from Microsoft. Woody sometimes shows up, uh, often shows up. You have Willem uh, Larson is always there. It's his home base um, at this point. And you've got Llewellyn, Llewellyn Falco is, usually comes. Mm-hmm. Really important, valuable, profound questions. David Bernstein, I think that's his home base as well. Uh, there, um, the fast agile guy. Uh, is is that where? Where did it start? Agile opens. That was the first one. I think Europe. Okay. But Everything starts in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> I think Europe. You should ask Diana. But Diana took the the open space that they were doing there and created the Agile Open program with the Agile Alliance. Yeah. And so the, for me, the real first one is is the one in Portland. Yeah. So. I love uh, open space. I think of it as um, as akin to lean coffees. So lean coffees, there's like we are now, kind of six, seven, eight of us around a table. We come up with topics that are important to us, and then we dot vote to see if they're important to the group. And then what gets discussed gets discussed. Um, at at these um, open space events, it's it's similar in that way. Like, there's nothing prepared in advance. People show up. They say, "Here's what's important to me." They put it up there, and if people show up, it's important to other people as well. If not, it doesn't get discussed. Um, I haven't had a lean coffee for a while. You know, listeners probably know. Hey, Vic's been been away for a little while. Um, do you guys use lean coffee in the workplace? See, there was a point. There was a question behind all this setup. Um, <laughs> And, and how do you use lean coffee in the workplace? I've, I've used it, um, especially with teams that had remote members, to uh, bring up retro topics. Um, and I was usually doing them in an anonymous way, and now I'm reading more about how maybe sometimes anonymity is not a, an enhancer. But this was a way of, uh, first of all, it was a way of instead of you have to come to the retro with three stickies of, of good things or bad things, it was a way of seeding it before we came instead of people just shuffling and shuffling in. And then we would dot vote and time it. The other thing the other thing we did was we had a Kanban board of open retro items. And the first thing we would do would be to go through the in-progress column on that Kanban board. And we used timers for the in-progress uh legacy issues, and then we would use a little longer timer for any new ones. And there was a session here uh, yesterday, I think it was, on retro, uh, what tools you use in a retrospective, and I think Lean Coffee was up near the top. Hmm. 
So I have kind of an interesting experience. Um, I got the opportunity to be a leadership ambassador for one of our divisions of Pacific Life, and so I've introduced it to our leadership team um, and tried it out with them to discuss topics. So I've, I've described it as a agile coffee is a democratic way to discuss ideas that are most important to you. Hmm. So that, that's kind of... And, and we um, actually... As we speak, I think a couple people are going to attempt to facilitate small sessions with different groups of managers. So TBD. I did it with them. You know, we did the first one, and they really liked it. So let's just see what happens. Um, you know, I kind of want um, some of our leaders who aren't in the day-to-day to maybe look at some of our tools and maybe like what we do. It could happen. It could. <laughs> Uh, there's something around Agile Coffee, which is uh, originally Lean Coffee. So it may be important to reiterate because it, it, it was inspired by open space. So right. it's kind of taking op- the open space feeling and put, putting it a little bit more in the small. The, um, I've, I've used it on, on Teams. I think one of the most interesting places I used it was on a, uh, a sales call, basically. Hmm. So wow. John Jorgen and Sin and I, we went to the leadership team. Uh, it had been a, a follow-up after they were interested, so we weren't getting paid for this, um, but we just showed up. We started asking some questions, and then we did a lean coffee. And so we asked, you know, what do you care about? And, and got all the topics, and we time-boxed, and we went through what they cared about. And it was through that we were able to pull up one of the stickies and say, well, if, you keep, if this keeps happening, what then? End of our company. Oh, wow. Interesting. There's maybe something we should talk about. Yeah. <laughs> that helped us get in. <laughs> Very nice. That. That's good. That's really Other topics that came up over the last couple of days, or anything that you presented yourself or wanted to present? There's a couple of things that I like. The Ben's um, conversation on uh, Agile HR was pretty interesting. It wasn't what I was in- anticipating, but it's a little more high level, but I really liked how you framed it. And the things you mentioned, we we really got to work on that because there's some real powerful things in there you've got that, are, that need to be said. Like what? So just to, to, to okay. frame it, <laughs> yeah. miss that one. <laughs> let the source let the source speak. Yeah. So no, this is this is this is an evolving discussion that started um, crystallized. I mean, it, it started years ago when. Uh, I had uh, my KPI for for my quarterly review was to create an FAQ. I was doing um, standards work, and I went around to all the people and said, uh, "What do you need?" And every one of them wanted to know. I need to know what the latest version of each standard is. Um, I need to know what the last one was and what the changes are. So I created a uh, share space and I put all this stuff in there and. And annotated and put all this stuff in, and and when I finished and took a breath, my manager said, "So you didn't create an FAQ page?" And I suddenly realized that outcomes and outputs weren't really being matched. Um, and then fast forward to, we're going to make a concerted effort to identify high-performing individuals in the company and reward them accordingly. And I thought I spend every waking hour at this company trying to embody teamwork and collaboration and all the ships are raised by the same tide and you know and now you're telling me that your message to the rest of the company is is individuals and, and high performance so the the crux of what we talked about was um, and so it was not 
creating an HR department that works agilely. That, that was um, I, I need to work on the title, but it was you're spending all of this time and money and effort on agilizing the company with all these good things. Let's create the policies for these human resources that we're working with to be in collaboration and not orthogonal to them. So, so, so incentivize correctly. Yeah. That was that was part of it. So the four ele- elements that we talked about were uh, performance assessment and how um, the, the, the annual reviews are completely antithetical to what we're doing. They're very judgmental. They're backward-looking. They're too infrequent. Um, and in my reading, I, came, I found a guy who said, oh, and the, and, the, and the benefit is almost negligible, right? Nobody likes to do them. Managers aren't trained to do them. Uh, Harold may have 15 good things on there, but of course there's a spot for areas to improve, so I have to tell him something I don't like, and none of us like to hear that. And we're not training the person who's going to tell Harold the one thing that was wrong only because I had to put something on there. So the, the, the reading that was interesting was if you treated performance appraisals like any other product at your project at your company, and you had to go to the governance board and create a business case, and say, mm-hmm. like at Deloitte, I want to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on the on the cost side, and then the governance board says, and the ROI on doing that because I get how the cost is, and it's about a dollar eighty, right? And 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 we started the discussion with motivation, right? We talked about Taylor, and then we went to uh, uh, McGregor and Maslow and Pink. Even tried to play the Pink thing, and, and that was the framework. This is what motivates people. Now let's talk about performance assessment, performance enhancement, compensation and recognition in one line. So you were talking about and and employee attraction and retention. And let's build our HR policies and procedures and the things that we do around those four elements to support our agility. Any other? Thanks thanks for bringing that up, Larry. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was really good. I appreciate it. What other topics came up that surprised you or... Enlightened you or made you happy or setting my customers' hair on fire—that was kind of fun. Oh yeah, do tell. What's that about? Then? <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a oh that was my very first uh, agile talk. That was yours, Larry. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've done a lot of public speaking in other contexts, but it's the first time I ever did it. Hey, congratulations! Yeah, so yay, finally, all right. So for those of you who've never done a topic at Agile Open. Larry is the poster <laughs> for uh, you, you, if Larry could do it, anybody can do it. That is absolutely right. Before, before we go into Larry's topic, because I think this this new speaker thing is, uh, there was a young woman from Hunter who had never presented before, probably any at any time. And was her topic? She did. She did really good. Convince my boss. No, no it was, was imposter good. syndrome. Oh yeah, that, oh, yeah. that must this have been good. excellent. Talk. I'll bet it was good. Yeah, yeah and, and I always think about. I don't know, was she talking more about the beginner's mind and, and how to get past feeling like an imposter? Uh, it or? was uh, Dunning-Kruger, oh, that okay. research. Okay. I, I didn't see that. So customers hair on fire. Yeah, setting your customers hair on fire. It has to do with how to have a conversation with your customer. Now it goes all the way back. To, oh, and it's there's a connection here. Uh, when I was doing nonprofit work, which I did for a very long time, um, I got a hold of this idea of um, ethnographic surveys. We're skipping the whole idea of how I got into it. Doesn't matter. Uh, but I had some amazing conversations with people. So I, it, during our uh, during the talk, I gave a couple examples. Like I did a um, I did a study on um, 
homeless alcoholics on the south side of Cologne in Germany. And then the question was, well, why were here? You you tell me. They're alcoholics and they're homeless. Why? And then so we had a quick little conversation. Well, what I found out through sitting down and really listening to them that the reason they were there was to commit suicide because most of them hated their father. So you could have treated their alcohol, you could have given them a place to live, you could have given them medical treatment, but you would have never gotten to the true root cause. Now, what does that have to do with, with Agile? Well, yeah, if we want to make products that really speak to people, we have to actually sit down and listen. And so it's the idea of what kind of conversations do you have, how do you listen, what are you listening for, and then once you've listened, then how do you summarize that into a persona? Well, I, I call it actually the the story catcher. You know, there's the dream catcher, so I don't like it. There's a story catcher. So in the story catcher, how do you summarize those things and then then you create then the story around your story catcher. And then now you understand the his the personal life of the individual, their business life or their professional life. You put those together because you can't split them up. A person is more than just his personal life. He's more than just his his uh, professional life, but if you understand both sides of that equation, you can create a product that really speaks to them. Now, there's a little trick to this that I hesitate to say because it's almost like manipulation, but get your motivations correct and you'll be fine with this. But if you really understand his personal life or his or her personal life, you'll create a product that they won't that you won't have much trouble selling to them. They'll, the adoption is a very simple thing. Why? Because it grew out of a concern for who they are as individuals. And even if it's not perfect, they'll go, they understand me, so I'm going to use this product. And then you, of course, keep iterating on that product and get, make it better and better based on their input. So it all has to do with sitting down and listening. So they, the initial idea is, where do you start? At a table with a cup of coffee and you start listening. And that's where we need to start building our products with that kind of a conversation. So that's the idea. How and it was, works. It's how was it received? Amazing. How was your how did you talk go? I think it went pretty good. We had. Uh, I thought it went well. Yeah. Yeah. Two little group. We did our. We we did a, a survey. Both people. Both uh, groups. Yeah. Made their persona or their their uh, story, story catcher, catcher. Yeah. and they put a name on it and gave the the nar- narrative that came that went along with that name. So once upon a time, there was John. And John was a da-da-da. So you go through, and th- this narrative is based on the summary of all the people's input that were at that table. So the idea is that summary is the hardest part, but once you do it enough, you're able to connect things very quickly, and it comes up with a very interesting, very interesting idea. That's where I, that's how I figured out the, the guys in the park had bigger problems than just their alcoholism. Dang, so, I'm, I'm yeah. on the other side of the question. I have I've had, at different points in the open, people say, I missed your session. Can you summarize it? And I thought, <laughs> oh, seriously? And now I'm thinking, come on, Larry, summarize what you did before because I missed your time. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Well, that's another reason I like to have the podcast right at the end of a, of a conference like this, too, because you can't go to every session, right? So now we get a, a little taste of what we may have missed. And going from story catcher to the bard. <laughs> the bard? I thought we were going yes. to the bar. Yeah, right. Well, that's, yeah. After. that's after. That's after. That's after this. But you came up with something really ingenious, I thought. Can you kind of give a synopsis of, of the bard? And, and well, absolutely. Yeah. So um, 
the the the, t- the catcher was you know how to convince execs uh, with agile, but actually this was framed around Chaucer and the Bard, because uh, every transformation requires a great storyteller. Yeah, so uh, yeah. the opening of the talk was uh, Middle English. I read four lines of Chaucer, and uh, I said, you know, well, what is a Bard? And I said, a bard is a poet that recites epics. Okay, that's convenient. Oh, no. <laughs> because when I read that definition, I'm like, well, we can put a use it for agile. But let's go back to this notion of the Canterbury Tales, right? And Chaucer describes this wonderful pilgrimage, right, um, of people going on this pilgrimage. And he is a bard, and he is telling a story of a long journey, the epic. right? And so, yes, we talked a lot about um, Pacific Life's... Um, models for, we have three pillars for our Agile transformation. Uh, They are the courage to experiment, self-organization, and creating a learning organization. And we talked about the trajectory. So um, I had a couple uh, things to talk about when we uh, initiated it, and it it was creating the story, right? So first you want to envision this beautiful destination. So a bard has to have vision because you have this rough sense of plot. You don't know really how it's going to turn out, but you must have this beautiful destination in mind. And then, you know, you create this outline. So it's a rough sketch of where you want to go on this journey. So along these maturity models, right, if you're self-organizing, your rough sketch might be today our teams are um, assigned, managers assigned teams to work future, we self-organize, we pick our own teams, right? So that's, that's kind of your plot trajectory. The other thing that we talked about was co-creation of the plot, right? And a bard kind of retells people's stories, and I said every transformation needs a bard to retell stories, and I talked about things that if you want to convince your de- executives they're not on the ground, take pictures. Show p- pictures of real people telling real stories with real successes. You know, we talked about, for instance, one of our scrum masters who was able to uh, get a mainframe team on board with Agile. Okay, I think that one might have been a first in my career hearing that. But Wendy, who's here at this conference, had that magnetism and kind of bardishness to tell the story of how mainframe teams could go there. Um, So the co-creation of a story is really important uh, because you're bringing people along. The other thing was I said, let anyone write themselves into the plot. This is Agile transformation, right? Because we really want people to come along on this ride. And the bard isn't the center of it. It's not my transformation. I'm just singing and dancing and telling the stories of other people and saying, oh, by the way, there's some detractors out there too, but don't worry. They can write themselves into the plot if they want to join along. Right? And then um, I think I forgot after it was write themselves into the plot. uh, Uh, Oh, yeah. And don't lose the plot. Yes. Don't lose the plot. Don't lose the plot because, you know, as the bard, you want cohesion and you still want that trajectory of the story and the vision to actually come to life. And so we talked about the transformation in light of needing a bard, and I think this is one of the things. It's like when you start a transformation, don't go for the process. Don't go for anything. It's the human inspiration in it, right? Because the story that inspires the bard is the fact that the people get better and the people reach their highest potential. So that was kind of the sum of the talk, but we 
We had some fun. It gave me chills. Yeah, that was, no, that was amazing. That's real. This is a really important concept. Yes, yes. So you, you spent how many months putting this together? I actually thought of it yesterday. <laughs> I knew it. I knew yeah, it. And, 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 this is why nobody added, likes Kali. Yeah, it's just like we should come up with I, this. I, I don't know. It, it just I was like yesterday. I didn't have this part, but I was like, then I was like, well, I talked about the bard, but then I'm like, you know, tomorrow because. Professor Ziv wanted me to do it again. I, I said, you know, I'm just going to do this. This is going to freak people out. One that April with its shore sota, the drought of March hath pierced to the rota, and bothered every vine and sweet liqueur of which virtue engendered the floor. And that's the first four lines of Chaucer, and we started to talk about the poet. I've right? had, had user stories yeah. written about that career. I, ha- I have no <laughs> idea what you just said. But talk about being oh, yes, natural. Yes. Well, I mean, well, well, the okay. one yesterday, yes, yes. Well, and you okay. reiterated and enhanced that so much more yes. today. So, well, it means this. And this also, I thought, was meaningful because this talks about seeds and germinating yeah. flowers. Wow. When April, with its sweet-smelling showers has pierced the drought of March to the root and bathed every vine in such liquid by which power the flower blossoms. Hmm. So so I think I, I just thought there were so many things that kind of came together um, on how to tell the story. But I'm like, why should I tell the story? I need to tell the story about the bard because that's what people need. The people need the bard. They need the bard. We're, can we? We need a professional agile bard. That's a role. Don't say it too loud, or the Scrum Alliance will certify. <laughs> I refuse to get certified. Certified it's coming. CSB. CSB. Then there's a CEB, which is Certified Enterprise Bard. That's right. That's right. CEB. You know what? You heard it here, folks. A corollary to this is something that I try to talk to. Agilists about uh, there was a book by Paul Smith called Lead with a Story, mm. and, and and when you started by telling the story, we were all caught up, and you were telling the story about telling the story, so it was like meta. It's a, a, a really good element when when we talk about soft skills, which I always find are harder than the whatever hard skills are. It's a horrible yeah name yeah. to call them soft. Yeah, but but that's always a good example. There's a great story at the beginning of it. Um, you have a minute, Vic? Sure, go for it. Um, the, 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 Paul Smith wrote it, and I know it's Paul Smith because well, when you saw me looking on my phone, I was trying to remember the name of the guy who mm-hmm. wrote the book. But he uh, he was at 3M, and he had his 20-minute uh, slot to pitch a project, a multi-million dollar project at 3M. So he spent weeks, months on his... Uh, PowerPoint, and he walked in, and the room had a big oval table in it with the screen at one end. And he's like, "Wow, there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of people who can't see my slides." And then the CEO came in, shook every hands, and sat with his back to the screen. And the guy thought, "I'm I'm doomed." You know, he's going to have to keep turning around. And he did his 20 minutes, and the CEO never turned around, never looked at it. And the guy who left despondently got his project greenlighted. And the CEO said, if, if I can't understand the value of what you're telling me from you telling me about it, then if I needed those charts to do it, I'm not as interested. And, and that was his entry into lead with a story. I want to I end on uh, with a topic that I don't think I've, I've reached at all these conferences I've gone to. Um, and we couldn't put together an open space conference without without sponsors. 
and um, so here we are. This is this conference is no different from any other. There's there's any number of tables um, up and down here. Dan, you've been a sponsor. Your company's been a sponsor for as long as I can remember you coming to the open spaces. What is the sponsor's experience like? If you can maybe talk about that from from your point of view specifically, or maybe you can generalize it if you want. But. Yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, it, I can't be more excited about the open space. San Diego, Orange County are the only two I've been to. I'd love to explore more. I'm very interested and intrigued. Um, but as a sponsor, I think this is just such a ripe environment. I'm with a company called Magenic. We help companies accelerate their digital products to market faster. So, so what does that mean, right? This is right for it. You see, we have a we have a booth. We've got some great giveaways. I haven't spent more than five minutes in front of it because we teach and do by, by doing, right? We uh, so we love to kind of immerse ourselves with the companies and, and get to know them right, on a personal level and understand the problems and pain points and help by doing. We do software development. We QA automation. We help with their digital roadmap. And so we've actually myself. Uh, Adrian, we actually have some other developers here. We've actually spent the time just participating, right, and engaging in this to understand it, right? And that's where the magic, I think, is with our company because we're we're all about agile. We're all about delivering results iteratively and continuous improvement. So as sponsors to this, this couldn't be even better, right, because it goes with our whole, um, uh, our whole belief. Right, uh, our mindset ourselves are agile, and so I, I love it because it's rewarding, it's reciprocating. I get energized coming out of these and make great contacts, and I feel like it's an opportunity for me to hang out with friends and like-minded people because I can come in here and learn and fitting and hopefully help. My passion, as many of you around this table know, is to help other people. Right, and I, so I host the Agile Orange County Drink Up every month. Because it just takes this, this, what we're doing right here is the opportunity to do it over a nice cold beer, right? And yeah. go have a casual conversation where, where you learn and discuss things fluidly and openly as, a, as people feel that. So as a sponsor, I want to thank Larry who helped organize this because it takes a lot of work. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we've gotten a lot out of this. Thing. Thank you. So real quickly, Larry's been on the committee now um, in charge of sponsor relations for two years oh, three, now? Three, three years, years now. Yeah. You've been doing a fantastic job. And as I'm realizing that I asked Dan, because you're a sponsor, I mean, we've got everyone at this table is in some way a sponsor, right? So, yeah. so Ben, you're yeah, with exactly. the Eliason Group. Yeah, this sure. is yeah, agile. Colleen has Pacific, Pacific Life. Coincidence. Rocket, Rocket Nine, Nine in front of me. I'm doing Agile Coffee. And Harold, the you? Open Space what? Institute. Tell us a minute about yeah. uh, what Open Space Institute is, if you don't mind. We're all about being present but invisible. How can people find more information about that group? You didn't see us here. <laughs> <laughs> we're not the group you were looking We're for. not the group. The, the Open Space Institute has been holding space for open space since uh, the late 90s. 96 was when it was founded. Open space was started in, first done in 1985. Harrison Owen uh, asked Peggy to help get this institute founded, and it's it's the most senior of all the open space institutes around the world. Uh, we help sponsor the world open space and open space. It happens every year. We've supported open space in Haiti. Um, not every year, but we've done that. I have a video out there of some of the work that's been done with open space in Haiti. Uh, we also do the open space list, the OS list. If you just Google OS, L-I-S-T, you can get into conversation with Harrison Owen. 
the person who first came up with open space or discovered it. And we, all, we are also doing a, an annual open space every year in New York City uh, on Martin Luther King's weekend. Fantastic. Very, I, I like the concept that he discovered it. He didn't invent he it. Did he did not invent it. it. I like that. He unearthed that's, it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, that's it. That's so we're about to have the closing circle here in just a few minutes, so I want to be mindful of, of that. But are there any last comments, questions, or remarks that people have right now? I just have to say I have gratitude. Gratitude for this community. Yeah, that reflects my, my feelings as well. You know, this is a great community. It's I, it's a privilege to be here in Southern California in such a wonderful, agile community. Sponsors, companies that are dedicated to the idea and are actually want to get involved. It's, and individuals that are engaged, it's great. All right, well, on that note, I want to thank all of you for joining me here today for a conversation around the table. Dan Brown is on Twitter at DSBrown. Larry Lawhead at Larry Lawhead. Harold Shinsato is at Hajush, H-A-J-U-S-H, on Twitter. Ben Rodelitz at Ben Rodelitz. Colleen Kirtland at Purpose Creator. My name is Vic Bonacci. You can reach me on Twitter at Agile Coffee. So until next time, enjoy your coffee with friends. Well, that was a good episode, wasn't it? Episode 61 of the Agile Coffee Podcast is in the books. I really wanted to thank once again all my guests, including Scott Dunn up at the front. Thanks, Scott. Rocket9Solutions.com for all of your training, coaching, and workshop needs in Southern California and Nashville, Tennessee. Get on it. Stop by Agile Open Southern California. Say hi. And if you can't be there, just send me a tweet at Agile Coffee. Until next time, enjoy your coffee with friends.